Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast live stream edition, National Signing Day edition. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, and Jared Mack, and you, the Oregon Duck football fan, are on uh, this live stream. Also, the Ots and Audibles podcast. If you're listening uh, audio only after the after this recording, boy, guys, uh, it's been a day. Uh, it's not over. Um, it's been a 24 hours it's been a 48 hours it's been a 72 hours it's been a week um a lot has transpired it feels like dante Moore flipping from oregon to ucla was two months ago and that if i told you was three days ago i don't know I don't two days ago um I, I wouldn't believe it if i didn't know that uh today's recap is crazy because oregon was just a couple days ago, a lot of the fan base was feeling like, hey, this is not going well. There's major concerns with Oregon's recruiting class. Where are the big players going to come from? Uh, is, is there some concern about the recruiting ability of the staff? I thought this was their their strength. I never really bought into that, but I certainly was like, this class does lack a little bit of firepower beyond Jurion Dickey and Kenyon Sadiq from an instant impact perspective. And that has changed because uh, as of signing day at 12.22 p.m. Pacific time, Oregon's recruiting class has jumped a bunch. They're now inside the top eight. They've flipped the verbal commitment of Austin Novosad from Baylor, a four-star elite 11 quarterback, They've flipped the verbal commitment of five-star safety Peyton Bowen from Notre Dame. They've flipped the verbal commitment from four-star LSU cornerback commit Dalen Austin. And they've gone out and they've landed Mateo Ungalele. I butchered that name, but but saying a lot of things really fast. Uh, Another five-star prospect. Um, Four additions to Oregon's recruiting class today. More could be coming. Maybe even as we're recording this live stream. Um, yes, as we are recording it, this live stream. It, it's it's been a day, guys, and it's probably the best day ever for a National Signing Day perspective, at least from my eyes. I think the only negative thing, Matt, is we have to now learn how to say Uyunglele better as a, oh, collect, yeah. as, a as a collective podcast because that's a tough name. As as those listen, longtime listeners know, we had a hard time with DJ when he was coming through. I think at one point we basically just called him DJ Ukulele. Uh, which is mm-hmm. turns out is wrong, but no, I. This has been, I think. Now Matt's been doing this job a little longer in terms of covering signing days and, and recruiting. I think this is like signing day number probably eight combined for me. Eric, I, I don't want to cut you off. Uh oh. Live stream breaking news. Something happened. Yeah, Solomon Davis <laughs> is now the latest Oregon Duck verbal commitment. That's hey, what I was trying to say. On live stream. Just that's what I was trying to say. It was oh. yes during a live stream, and Proceed, we, just kept, we just kept going. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'll just throw this up here from uh, Jace. You're kind of, you know, letting the live stream know, letting me know. I learned here. How about that? Kind of fun. Learning on uh, on the live stream. A lot of people excited. Uh, we're going to uh, kind of keep the comments rolling here. People, people, if you want to drop your comments, we'll get to questions later. But kind of where I was going was just like Matt and I have been doing this for a really long time as, as reporters on the beat covering Oregon signing days. We've for before that is just people who are, grew up in Eugene and cared a lot about Oregon football have followed signing days. I, I think this is the probably the craziest, most eventful signing day I can recall. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old. There are probably some signing days from like the 90s or the 80s or something like that where it was crazy, but only like 10 to 12 people knew about it because no one was following this and they learned about it a week later in the Register Guard. So, like, the fact that, you know, in this era, to have a day where Oregon flips a bunch of guys, lands a couple of five stars, the Bowen one was completely unexpected. I mean, we had heard shortly before he went and, and made that a decision that he was probably going to stick with his Notre Dame commitment, and yet there he is taking the Notre Dame hat, putting on his head, removing it, putting on an Oregon hat, and it really just started to snowball because a couple of moments later, Mateo commits, Dalen Austin commits, probably 30 minutes after that, and it's just been a crazy day. And those who listen to our podcast, gosh, could that really have been yesterday? Was that yesterday we did a podcast? Sure was. Sure holy, was, yeah. Holy hell has it been a quick turnaround because uh, I was the wet blanket yesterday. I've taken all my blankets. I put them in the dryer. I, I'm a dry blanket today. Things are better. The world is in better order. And uh, yes, did, yeah. Did, do we wash it? I've already washed. I've dried all my blankets. Trevor, uh, Trevin asked. Yes, I, I've. The blanket is good. The blanket is dry. The blanket is clean. Uh, no need to wet blanket anymore. Oregon recruiting has has really flipped. And the one, as those who listened to kind of more of the nuance of my concern yesterday, I guess, because gosh, it's been so fast. It, it was not at the class in its totality. I thought there was good depth. I thought there was good defensive line prospects. I, I was encouraged by the skill position signees that were expected. My issue was it lacked star power on defense, especially off the edge. And I think I especially said in the secondary. And the additions of, again, Mateo and Peyton Bowen, which took place within minutes of each other this morning, completely shift my perspective as it should anybody I think who is concerned because those are heavy hitters those are five-star prospects that come in and have an opportunity to be contributors really really early on so I don't think there's any question this was an incredibly eventful signing day it was a huge positive for Oregon and for the Ducks you now look around and you go okay we're up to number six or sorry number seven now I don't even know maybe with Solomon Davis's addition I don't think they catch LSU who's I think at six but it could get kind of close here, and you just kind of wonder what this class can look like and if there's the momentum that it's carrying, how much it can carry through the spring signing period in February with, again, we'll have a, a more complete idea by Friday. Friday, by the way, for those listening, we just looked it up before the show, and we, I think we kind of knew it but confirmed it, is the final day to sign during December. So there might be some stragglers that are signing early that'll finish up on Friday, but the big, the big stuff will be okay. Who's not signed Friday, and can Oregon kind of, you know, tie a ribbon on this signing class in February? And who are the final prospects? But regardless, this is going to be a huge win and one of the best classes Oregon has signed. Yeah, hell of a day for Oregon. Hell of a day for Dan Lanning. Yesterday, I put forth the notion that um, despite the lack of uh, potential immediate impact, players on Oregon's 
2023 recruiting class. I still liked it um, just because of the depth and the, the positions of needs and everything like that. Um, yeah, now Oregon has a couple guys who might be immediate impact players, which adds obviously more depth to the class and ha- adds that immediate guy, especially on the edge, which I was most worried about. And then Bowen, Eric, you went through it, but um, we were all kind of blindsided by it. Um, I had, I had, uh, I, I texted our Slack group chat. I'm like, whoa, Bowen. And Matt was, Matt, you replied, you said, oh yeah, the hats, those are kind of interesting. And I'm like, no, he just committed. And then everybody, both of you guys were like, oh, what the heck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll say what the heck to excuse Eric's poor language. I'll say what the hell. Slack channel. Um, yes. What the hell would still be And Eric, you're on mute. What the hell would still be uh, better than what Eric put, put in? I use a panel. more I used a more adult version of what the heck and what the hell. Yes, very very more adult. But that was kind of the moment where you um you kind of felt the the move from Oregon here that there would be a lot of a lot of good things going for the Ducks on today because uh, again the twenty four seven Sports is doing an excellent job of having a live stream the entire day for. Um, early signing day and they and Steve Wiltfong and 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 um, Tom Loy from Notre Dame's 24-7 side were both on on the stream saying that they feel really good about Notre Dame's chances and um, you know at one point it was Oklahoma maybe it was Oregon but they felt good for the last day or so about Notre Dame's chances and it just shows you the fight that that Dan Lanning and this recruiting staff is going to have um, they all came into Oregon at the very beginning of last season with these high expectations of recruiting because that's what a lot of them were really good at. And coaching might have been second, but we all knew at the very least that these guys were going to recruit. Here they are. Um, should we? I feel like I want to ad- address the the NIL allegations um, because that's just what's going to happen in college football nowadays. Is whenever somebody big decides to commit to a school it's going to be for NIL reasons and your rivals um, will say that about any, any rivalry program. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that um, if any player of a five-star caliber commits to any school, it's probably because of NIL reasons. And that's how college football is going to be for the, for the long stay if NIL sticks around and all that. Um, if he commits to your rival school, it's because of NIL reasons, but if he commits to your school, it's for, you know, the, the culture, the program, the it's NIL. This is how it's going to be, and it's fine because now it's out in the open and it isn't underneath where it probably was beforehand. Um, and if NIL had something to do with Mateo and Peyton Boeing, Bowen, excuse me, um, coming to Oregon, then I'm all for it. And I kept thinking about uh, Matt's comments this week about how, well, Oregon's NIL pool suddenly has expanded because they're not giving a majority of it to Dante Moore. And Dante Moore, quarterback, you put all your resources into a quarterback because a quarterback is the single most important player on the field at any given time. Now you don't take a, now you take away those resources, but you still bring back Bo Nix. Now you suddenly have more, and I can't help but think that that is that was and that is the proper reason um, why Oregon suddenly was in the driver's seat over the last 24 hours or 36 hours for these five-star guys. Absolutely. And yeah. if, and look, like if you're upset that Oregon, if you're a, everyone on this stream is probably a duck fan, but if you're upset that Oregon is getting these players and a part, Dan Landing did say part of it's probably NIL, but he said players aren't picking schools entirely just because of NIL. Um, yeah. 
you know, but he said it's a factor now and it is a factor and it will be moving forward. But if you're upset that, that schools are getting guys because in part they're looking at the potential earnings they could get from NIL once they get there, you need to be upset at your school that you're getting beat out in that manner because it's adapt or die time. Like if, if you're not going to be in this realm, this is what we're the day and age that we're in for college athletics, like it or not. And if, if you don't embrace it, you don't develop a plan, you don't find a way to execute it, you will die in college athletics. And it, that, it, it sucks. It sucks that, that that's where it's gone to. But if you don't adapt, you're going to die. And Oregon has 100% adapted. And I think you look at the Dante Moore flip, and it's probably opening up a lot of avenues from, from an NIL perspective for a lot of these guys that have committed today. And this sounds insanely, we didn't want him anyways, but I would be really curious if you gave Duck fans, hey, you could get Dante Moore, and maybe you even get Bo Nix, but what did you trade Dante Moore for what's happened now for Oregon? You add, you add Mateo, you add Dalen Austin, you add Austin, uh, Novosad, um, there's another one I'm forgetting. Solomon Davis. Peyton Bowen. And Peyton, Peyton Bowen. Right. Yeah. Would you make that trade? And I I, I don't know how you wouldn't make that trade. Uh, man, Matt, it's we're tough. Gonna, it's really – it is – I don't know. I think it's more – I think it's tighter than that just because – Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a quarterback. It's a, it's a really, really good quarterback. At the same time, I totally understand your thinking, Matt, and this is where if I have – I have a lot of gripes with NIL, but like I guess my chief gripe gripe would be, I'd just like to know what the budgets are. Like if I'd like I'd like to know mm-hmm. how this is being allocated, and I understand that's not going to happen, maybe ever, just because of the way this is all organized and the NCAA taking a real hands off approach and kind of just letting the wild west operate. But it would be really fascinating and I think really informative if you are a fan of any of these schools that are in these recruitments to understand. Maybe not what your school is bidding, but what the ultimate price was for a player. In particular, in an instance like this, where it, it, let, let's let's say Dante Moore got X number of dollars, and you were able to then redistribute that. Let's say that's actually what happened. I think it's probably played a role in some of this. It would just be fascinating to kind of look at it and go, okay, well, if we had. Let's just throw out two million dollars. I have no idea what the number is. Genuinely, I'm really naive. It could be fifty million. I have no, no clue. It's probably not. It's probably not. I can tell you that. <laughs> but like, who knows? Like, I'm super naive with this. Like, but let's if you could if you can redistribute that and then build a team around it, like you do in professional sports, which is what this is becoming, where you have a salary cap and you have to budget and you have to determine kind of what how you want to build your team based upon you know, the financials of we want, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to sign the big quarterback, you don't get the great defensive end or the great defensive back. Well, Oregon has now lost its its big quarterback, got a, a really capable one in Novosad, who I think we should, sp- we should spend some time talking about because I don't think we've really touched mm-hmm. on him and, and kind of what we see there because that was a prospect we were mentioning but didn't really get to. But to, 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 to shift from a, a recruiting class where you do have your marquee top three in the country quarterback to a class that is now maybe more balanced where you've got rather than just the two five stars, both on offense, you now have three, five stars, two on defense and a couple of other nice pieces. I get Matt's point where 
you could certainly make the argument that Oregon, from just a totality of the team, has a more balanced class and uh, has has certainly addressed positions that needed to be addressed that weren't addressed before. So there's certainly an argument to it, and, and I frankly really like this class now. I know I, I, I got criticized for being a star watcher the other day. That's fine. I get it. Um, the point I was really just trying to make was you'd like to see a little bit more star power on the defensive side of the football. Clearly, they've addressed those concerns, and you look at it now, it's going to be the largest class I think Oregon has ever signed. They're at 28 players right now yeah. that, that that are currently committed. 27 if you take Presley off the table, which based he upon did, the yeah. comments and everything I've seen ha- that has taken place, he's flipped to Washington as we expected. 27 with Oregon, you know, with their hands in the cookie jar, if you will, of three to four more where this class could get over 30 pretty easily. Like, th- this is a complete revamping of the roster if you think about – like, legitimately now, I-, I am convincing myself you might see 40 new players on the team next year. 30 prep oh, kids. Yeah. 10 oh, transfers. Factor in the walk-ons? Well, I'm not including walk-ons. I'm just saying of your okay. 85 scholarships, you genuinely – you're definitely going to be there with walk-ons, but you gen- genuinely might see 40 new scholars. Like it might be a 50% new roster next year. Yeah. Which they're, would be at, crazy. they're at 30 right now from right. signees, mm-hmm. enroll, uh, signees, commits, and transfers. I think 31, if because I don't think Luke Dunn is included on there because we haven't got his profile updated. That's true. I think it's 31 with, again, nine more feels very feasible. They're in on a bunch of transfer portal guys that are going to be in on more prep guys. 15, according to Dan, of these new prep guys are going to be enrolling early. I would imagine a lot of these portal guys, like you're going to be looking at the spring ball is going to be crazy for us in terms of trying to just identify who's out at practice. It's going to be fun. But I think if you just take a step back and look at it and go, man, this this roster is going to look so different than it did a year ago. Mm -hmm. Credit to the NCAA. I know I don't say that very often. Nor Uh, should you. But for 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 removing the scholarship uh, limits for the recruiting class like they did, because what I think you're going to accomplish is you give a school like Oregon with a new coaching staff, you give a school like Colorado with new coaching staffs, schools that are trying to kind of, quote unquote, um, build around the new head coaches, their players, that turnaround is quicker than ever before. I mean, mm-hmm. a year a year from Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning was what hired about a week ago today. like. A year I think later. it was December, December 11th. Don't ask me how I know that. I just remember it. Good memory. Okay, so about a little bit over. The roster is going to be completely different year two from, from year one. And in terms of how many Mario guys, and there's some really good players Mario signed, are going to be remaining once we look up and see at the start of the 23 season. Genuinely, it might be... A hand, a dozen. It's a handful. <laughs> yeah, there might I mean, there might be you, there might be a dozen and a couple players remaining from Mario's recruiting classes on this roster to start next season. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the class of twenty twenty one, which is Oregon's best class in history, which maybe this one will rival, but I don't really. I think we went through the class calculator math. And I don't think that's going to be the case. It's going to be like three points short. Yeah, so it's going to be – that was a great class, and it still is. There's still a lot of talent on the team. But there are a lot of players from that 2021 class who are now no longer with the program, who are a lot of guys who have entered the transfer portal. And that's just how it works. And, again, all season when we've talked about defensive issues and defensive liabilities, um, I've made it a point to talk about how uh, this isn't the group of players that 
Um, yeah, Johnny Bones just signed. You can read his uh, get to know profile on 24-7 Sports Duck Territory because I just posted it. There you go. We try, like to stay on top of things here. Um, as I was saying, um, all year, I'd like to make note that uh, Dan Lanning doesn't have his guys with him. And now you kind of see the makings of his guys and that they're taking, um, you know, like potentially more than 30 kids. There's still plenty of spots to fill. There's still plenty of people who are going to end up in the transfer portal, either from Oregon or from other institutions and other programs who could make their way to Oregon. Um, and again, like there are plenty of spots on the defense that, that Dan needs to get some reserves in. And I think today was an excellent start. Um, I think we'll see some type of an exodus from Oregon after the bowl game, as we've been talking about, as we've been saying on this podcast a couple times. Um, I think it'll be – oh, there goes Eric. He's gone. He's just here. <laughs> I don't know where he, he went. I think he might have might have zagged out. His wife, I might have quit on him. But, um, yeah, eventually. I think – yeah, I was just saying that there's going to be a lot of fresh faces on this team. There's going to be a lot of new guys. You already see it. Um, they're, they're like Dan said, 15 early enrollees is is nice. That's a really good number to start. But now, like after you realize how many people are going to be in this class, um, that might be like half of the guys, maybe less than half of the guys to enroll early. Which, again, I'm always a big fan of enrolling early because you'll you get the experience of being in college. So. I think it'll depend depend what type of guys do enroll early. I know that um, Peyton Bowen, the safety, not Johnny Bowens, the defensive lineman, said that he would be um, that he would be enrolling early. I think Sean McFarland of the the Dallas Fort Worth newspaper, one of those newspapers, he reported that he'd be enrolling early. Um, I think that'll be a huge help. Safety is a position that has a lot of potential people who could leave. Jamal Hill, uh, Brian Addison, Steve Stevens, uh, Bennett Williams gone. Uh, he's just he's out of eligibility. But those three that I listed, those guys still um, still have the opportunity to come back for another year, or they have the opportunity to go to the NFL draft. And for Bowens, for Cody DeCambra, for Tyler Turner, all those safety prospects, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for them to jump back on and um, try to make their uh, their stand in, in spring camp or summer camp and try to get there just some playing time. So I think it's imperative that those guys enroll early. And I think it's imperative, especially for Peyton Bowen to enroll early as the highest rated guy and the most, um, I, I guess, collegiate level ready player that they're going to enroll in the safety room. Now, Bowen actually hasn't signed yet. And no. even after about an hour of his commitment, Nothing had been signed and been sent in. I can confirm that. Um, not trying to be negative, Nancy, or worry about it, but Mm-mm. it's not in yet. And you hope that it gets in because seeing that recruitment play out, I mean, it was all over the place. It was like Saturday, Oklahoma thinking they had got him. He was right. going there. Things were done. And then Sunday, Monday, it kind of transpired to maybe Notre Dame was going to keep it. And then all of a sudden this morning, uh, Oregon gets him. So that's one to watch for. We also haven't seen the other five-star, the original five-star, Jurion Dickey. He has not mm-hmm. sent his national letter of intent in. He had been rumored to be talking about it. I know Oregon was confident he would get it in. 
Um, we'll see if that happens. Um, Dalen Austin, as we've noted, uh, wasn't sure yet if he would sign or if he would do it in February. He told Greg Biggins that he's okay waiting until February. Dan Lanning's aware of it. He's okay with it. Um, we did get Johnny Bowens in, but we also haven't seen Blake Purchase, and that one won't get announced or get sent in till Friday. Um, Deion Sanders in Colorado is a very hot school right now across the country. Um, they have made the number one cornerback in the country basically not sign with Miami to consider Colorado moving forward. And it looks like they're trying to do the same with Blake Purchase. We'll see if Blake Purchase sticks with his commitment or if he stays home for the hometown team and plays for Deion Sanders. We don't have one yet either for, for George Silva, the junior college transfer. And then the four transfers, which we haven't even mentioned this yet. Late, like Tuesday night, uh, Junior Anguillo gave oh, yeah. a verbal commitment to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, a two-year starter and a guy that's played in over 30 games for the Texas Longhorns, he transferred to Oregon. None of the transfers have been announced yet, but Oregon added a, a, another portal player there as well. So, like, in the last 24 hours, they have landed six players, and the entire narrative of this recruiting class, even with the departure of Caleb Presley today, which just happened 10 minutes ago, um, even with that factored into it, it's been a very good day for Oregon. And I think Eric was the one that said it, like the entire tenor of this class has changed because of what's happened. And the future at Oregon, like, look, you can win signing day all you want. Texas A&M does it almost every single year, and yet they can't get over 10 wins. And or they can't get over nine wins in college athletics for football. Um, so you have to still be able to turn these players into good football players, but – the long-term potential of this program took a big jump today. I am back. I apologize. I don't know what happened. I had my my computer froze. Um, I caught. I caught. I missed some stuff, but uh, I'm here. I don't know what else to add to what I said earlier. I, I, can we switch topics to something I want to talk about? Because I missed. I I feel. I feel no, bad. We, we can't. What do, we th- what do we think about Austin Novoselic? Because I feel like that has been – that was something I wanted to talk about earlier before my stream kind of whatever happened there. I, I This was a deal where – I want to credit Matt because he knew about this before and we were sworn to secrecy to a certain degree. And we kind of had a sense this was coming. So I've, I've had a few days to sort of familiarize myself with this player. I think the ceiling's really, really high. Um, certainly mm-hmm. a guy where – at Oregon, you'll have the luxury of not needing him to play right away. And I think that's a good thing with the way his – just kind of how raw he is physically. Like he's, he's, he needs to put on 20, 30 pounds of weight. Like At he kind of yeah. com- comes in with a bit of the Jay Butterfield build in terms of lean, tall, long limbs, angular guy. Like the, the, the ball really – comes off the hand, it kind of explodes off the hand. Certainly a player who can make all the throws. I think you're just impressed with just the, the arm talent there. Mm-hmm. But also a player who whose best football is clearly two to three years down the road. And for Oregon, you don't need his best football in nine months. You need his best football in maybe 20, 23 months, something like that. Maybe a year after that. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But this, this to me feels like 
just a really impressive rebound by the staff and a big tip of the cap to Will Stein for, I was just kind of thinking about this yesterday as, as we kind of knew this was coming down of a guy like Will Stein builds a relationship with a player like Novosad, knowing full well he's never going to go to UTSA, right? Like that's just never going to be the outcome. Novosad's looking at Baylor, but he's also looking at Texas A&M, Ohio State, Notre Dame, like the blue blood schools. But for Stein to continue to build that relationship and to be in a position where he's able to to pull the flip right at the finish line, I think that's really impressive. And we we weren't sure exactly what he would be, Stein. I'm talking about now as a recruiter. When we had JJ Perez of the uh, Roadrunner 24/7 site, gosh, two weeks ago probably now, he was really high on what Stein could be as a recruiter. But there really isn't mm-hmm. a proven track record when you're playing group of five, you know, at that level compared to what you step into at a place like Oregon. And obviously the first impression is really positive. And I think this is a really nice addition. Assuming Pat Thompson sticks around, you now I think have your three, you have your complement of three scholarship quarterbacks for 2023. And I think it's a really nice blend of you've got Bo Nix, who's going to be the starter. It's his fifth year. You've got a Somewhat experienced guy in Ty Thompson, albeit I know fans aren't real high on him. He still has a lot to prove, hasn't really had a ton of reps. The reps he has had haven't looked great. And then you have your developmental player in Novosad who can learn behind two guys who've been in college football now for a while and kind of see where everything lands. You know, we'll see what happens with the backup job. Again, assuming Ty sticks around, right. is, is he able to win it for a third straight year? I'd and imagine. I would. I mean, it seems likely, and we'll see what happens after that. But I, I just think you know the quarterback position is obviously a super important position on a football team. It's the most important one, and it's not Dante Moore. I don't want to minimize the loss. It's super significant. The rebound is is really impressive, though, and a, 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 again, a big tip of the cap to to both Landing and, but especially Will Stein, because I think it was easy to say, "Gosh, like this is not a great first impression." When Within a week of being on the job, you lose the best quarterback recruit in program history. But to rebound and get a guy who's a top 100 recruit, according to 24-7, um, our, our site rankings, and who's a top 10 guy nationally, who was, you know, who, who really kind of sat and thought this summer and said, no, nah, I'm going to go to Baylor, even though yeah. some of the best schools in the country are interested. I, I just think it's a huge win. Oh, it's a massive win. And I texted you guys last night and I you know I, I feel I felt bad for Baylor I really did um Novosad is for those who don't know was the seventh highest rated commit in Baylor's school history uh, obviously he doesn't sign so that doesn't go down in history um but this is a guy who committed to Baylor a full calendar year ago December 16th of 2021 this is a guy who stuck with Baylor after visiting Ohio State after visiting Notre Dame after having the best teams in the country, like Eric said, come and recruit him as a high four-star near top or top 100 player in the country. I think on his composite, he's top 100, uh, a top 10 quarterback in the country. This guy's legit. He's as, he's as good as it comes to a, you know, a, a really good quarterback prospect. And yeah, he's not as highly rated as um, Dante Moore. And I think that's fine. And, and unfortunately, I, I think Dante Moore is going to be really good no matter where he goes. So Oregon fans will have to watch that from afar. But this is no consolation prize. This is a real recruit. If this was headlining the class, or maybe not headlining, but a part of the class since the very beginning, people would be overly optimistic about this type of player. And I think it, it just speaks to um, Will Stein as a recruiter. 
Um, Dan talked about it briefly, not on this media session we had, but the last one about how good is he is at making relationships. And that's exactly what this was. This was a relationship between Will Stein and Novasad. And this relationship brought them together and it brought Novasad to Oregon. And this is, you know, Will Stein takes the job of offensive coordinator this month and gets this done. Yeah, he loses Dante Moore, but I think that was an uphill battle the entire time for Stein, uh, especially after Oregon loses Kenny Dillingham, which was Moore's primary recruiter. Um, and Stein makes it happen. And again, this was a kid who had been committed to Baylor for so long, and he makes it happen in these two to three weeks. Um, so it really, it's a great testament to his his potential and his ability to recruit right now. And to just talk about Novosad in general, um, like Eric mentioned, yeah, he's got to gain weight. He's got to gain some good weight, some strength, but um, he's a solid quarterback and he's improved basically year after year, uh, upper 60s in completion percentage, I think over 3,000 yards this season. It's 6A Texas high school football, which I don't know, it's, I've heard it's pretty good. Um, and I just think, I think that if he adds the weight and if he continues to develop at this rate that he's going on, um, I think he's going to put himself in contention to at least make some noise in his sophomore season, um, potentially junior, depending on what the quarterback situation looks like for 24 and what Will Stein wants. But, uh, you know, I, I, he's a he's a real prospect. He's no, he's no consolation prize. And I think that that's the, the main point that I want to get across here. By the way, uh, it was just 350 live stream viewers. Uh, that's an all-time high. For us, small sample size. It's only done three times. Small sample size. But yeah. I said uh, before. I said beforehand I wanted two fifty, and we are we well, above, well that. above that. So, hey, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the live stream. Hit that like button. Also, subscribe to the channel. It greatly helps us doing that. Ensures that we can continue to do these for free. Um, we'll get to questions by the people in the chat here shortly, um, but. One item, I we got a couple more things we want to talk about with this class, today's news, Dan Lanning's press conference, and with something from Dan that, that he said that I thought really stuck out to me um, was how they're not trying to trick players into signing. They're not trying to just in, money-induce players to sign here. They're generally getting guys that want to be here, are buying into what Oregon is selling and what, or, excuse me, what Oregon is talking about and pitching on the field. And he noted that he's really proud of the fact that in today's day and age of transfer portal, and look, Oregon's been hit as hard as anyone really from, from a portal perspective. It's like 15 or 16 guys have hit the portal um, from Oregon. But he said, and it was interesting, he, he said, none of those guys are true freshmen. None of those guys are the members of the class that he signed last year. And he said, what does that mean? It means what we told them would happen on the field, the things that we said we would promise the things that we said we would give opportunities for. It came true. We weren't fibbing. We weren't tricking to get you on campus. And that resonates with future recruiting classes. And we're seeing that play out, especially when he noted that this year's class is the first year in which they've had a full year to recruit and to go through the process and look at the success that they've had. Pretty impressive. No, I think it's a really good point, Matt. And I, I actually – it kind of slipped through my mental cracks, if you will, that that was the case, that all the, whatever it is now, a dozen and a half 
transfers out were players who were recruited by the previous staff in earlier cycles. It makes sense. But that does speak to something in terms of just that the players who he's recruited, who've been through it for a year, again, not a lot of those guys played too. That's something we talked about on this pod. It's just like, it seems like, I know he talks about if you're, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough has been kind of one of the catchphrases, but it didn't seem like a lot of those young guys really fit into that category this year. It was really a handful of players that played much at all. And I think only four of them, I think, yeah, four of them that are going to burn their redshirt year out of, uh, you know, about 20. So that is, that, that is impressive that, you know, you're able to kind of communicate that, uh, that message, even when guys aren't playing big roles right away. And it'll be curious to see with this class, not to totally change the subject, but just how many of these guys are, are early contributors. And I think one thing can, can point to to maybe differentiate is I think I just looked at it. Six players from last year's cycle enrolled early. And Dan said today about 15, maybe more, maybe less, are going to enroll for spring this year. I know the mm-hmm. class this year is, is about eight or nine bigger than it was a year ago. That's still, I'm pretty sure, a school record in terms of the most uh, signee, signees to enroll in, you know, for spring. I think the most before that was maybe about 10 in, I want to say, Mario's first or second year. 15 is a huge number. And that's a big win in terms of getting this this talent on on campus, no doubt about it. It's kind of I was talking about this with Matt when you were when your internet um, kicked the bucket. Signing 50, or fifteen early enrollees is a lot, but then you kind of look at what the class is going to sit at, and then you realize like, oh, that's still like less than half of the guys that they're going to sign this year. Sure. Um, depending, I mean, it'll get to that point, especially when you add in all the transfer portal guys, um, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have I don't have too much else to say about about signing day. I, I think Land was, or excuse me, Land Dan was very uh, very appreciative of of the time. Um, he said all the right things. He didn't get himself into trouble, which was which was great. Um, always didn't want that to happen. Um, just kind of dismissed some of the NIL questions because that's what he should do. Um, he just mentioned that you know you have to adapt or die and um i think that's what every college football coach should be doing um i'm I'm glad that he wasn't one of one of the complainers about it that it's ruining the sport or anything like that sometimes he'll get they'll say that's just the shape of college football which is his way of saying this kind of stinks nowadays but um i i thought it was good um I'm just mildly disappointed that uh, there were only so many guys that dan could talk about at the time even post-commitment yeah, that, that was, was di- that was different. That was a disappointment. Yeah, that's yeah. different too. Usually, these are held later on in the day, and there's more of the class sign. And the, and the unfrustrating thing is, like, right after he logged off, like Mateo comes in, and like yep. seven more players—not seven, I think it was like four or five more players come in. But there was only like I think fourteen or fifteen that he could talk about when we we spoke with him. Um, do we want to, ju- Matt? Did you have other items to discuss, or do you want to try to throw it over to some questions? Yeah, let's take a let's take a quick break. From a podcast perspective, so if you're on the screen, don't go anywhere. We're not leaving. Um, we'll be right back on the podcast, and then we'll take questions from you guys here on the live stream. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Yachts and Nautilus podcast. Um, live stream edition, go to the YouTube page, uh, search on YouTube, just Duck Territory on 24-7 Sports, or Ducks on 24-7 Sports, I'll get you there, both both avenues. Um Let's run through the list here. I've, I'll be honest. I've, news is happening so fast that uh, I've been trying to make sure we don't miss anything from an actual breaking news. Yeah. We need to get the story up. Um, so I haven't been paying attention to um, a lot of the chat and the questions there. But if you guys have questions, go ahead, drop them in. Um, we'll trans we'll, we'll get through these. There's going to be a lot of them cause there's a lot of you in here. Um, but let's see if we can find one really quickly. Here we go from Jace Troutman. Um, how are we feeling about a Johnny Cornelius? Because look, Rhode Island transfer, uh, he was on campus two weekends ago. He saw Nebraska before that. He then this past weekend saw Ohio state and Tennessee and the interesting one here is there's a lot of schools, all three schools basically, have said or that we've heard that it's Oregon against their school. Oregon is the common denominator with the other three. They all have heard that, hey, it's, it's Tennessee versus Oregon. It's Nebraska versus Oregon. Uh, it, it's Ohio State versus Oregon. Um, I think that's a very good sign if you're an Oregon Duck fan because all three schools think they're competing against you to get his verbal commitment he makes his verbal commitment at 3.30 Pacific time on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. They're doing our national live coverage show. It's like a 12-hour show. It's crazy. Um, very good production. Very highly encourage you guys to check that out after this. Um, I, I think that guy is probably the cherry on top if you're Oregon and you can get him to commit. Basing everything else that's happened, it's almost been a – a best case scenario. I mean, I, I, the only bigger name out there is five-star David Hicks. And it sounds like he's leaning AM, but look, the way the day is gone, how could you bet against Oregon on either of these, these guys? But that's where things are at with Cornelius. And I think if you're Oregon, this is probably the one that you really hope you can get because you need tackles, you need offensive linemen, you need starter quality players at that position um, I think, Eric, how many times have you said on this podcast throughout the year, they just don't have a lot of bodies at that position. And this class has a lot of offensive linemen committed, but a lot of them are interior guys. Yeah, I think all the prep kids, as far as I can recall, are, are interior linemen, and Silva's the only – yeah, and Silva's the only offensive tackle in this class right now. And Cornelius is a plug-and-play starter. Like, this is a guy you bring in, and he's – 
He's starting at right tackle day one. <clears throat> I assume Connolly's at left tackle. That's been my assumption that that's where he worked in the spring. Maybe Connolly fits better at right tackle and Cornelius moves to left. Cornelius played right tackle at Rhode Island. So that's why I assume he's a right tackle day one. You just found, I think, your day one right guard yesterday in junior Ang- Angelo. Um, so you're, you're kind of revamping that offensive line, which, look, we, we, we mentioned a lot of starters out, but some pretty good players back. Harper started almost every game last year. JPJ is a, not mm-hmm. a huge starting sample size, but a, certainly a proven commodity and played a ton most yeah. games. You've got, as you said, you've got Josh Connerly back. Steven Jones has a decision to make, but I think Cornelius is somebody who, again, he, even regardless of what Steven Jones decides to do, is good enough where he's going to come in and play right away. This is one of the best FCS offensive linemen in the country. And according to a lot of folks, maybe the best offensive lineman in the portal period. Um, this would be a, a massive get and somebody that you would, again, when the moment he steps foot on campus, the expectation is this guy is a starter at right tackle. And again, I've said it several times on these podcasts, the point of the portal for a school like Oregon is to find guys who start. That's what we saw last cycle. And that's what it's looking like this year with how it's shaping up with I think the, the guys they've added to this point all figure to be guys that start or play significant roles the moment they arrive. And if they can get Cornelius, that's just adds to that total of guys who fit that kind of mold. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like it. Uh, Johnny Cornelius. I mean, I'm obviously uh, biased, a little New England connection there with the roadie, 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 Rams, 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 but uh, he's a really good player. Um, yeah, he slots in right at right tackle, potentially for Oregon, or maybe left tackle, depending on what Josh Connerly um, is just better at. But obviously, Connerly has the physique of a left tackle. Um, Janoris Wilson, I know that he plays right tackle, but is listed at, at in the interior offensive line um, on 24-7 sports. I know that he plays like right – I think he plays right tackle. I think somebody in the chat, Charger XL, mentioned it. Um, that he plays right tackle at Lakeland. So that's that's an option. Um, I'm going to quickly segue into something completely different that I'll, I'm just going to real, real brief. So Oregon released like their signing day where you could see all the players and like in Oregon uniforms. I really like it because it's not because it shows like what they look like updated in their physique compared to their 24 seven sport profile page. Like there's different body types in there than I expected to see because there's usually just like older pictures of guys or them just wearing street clothes or whatever like that. Um, I'll, I'll, somehow I'll send that link out to let other people see it. But Janoris Wilson is one of those guys where you kind of look at him and you're like, oh, that's it's a big kid. Big kid, looks like he can move. Um, but anyways, to talk about a Johnny, uh, it, it would just be huge to get him in the portal. I know he announces tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3.30 Pacific Standard. Um, I think it's, you know, Oregon is battling Nebraska as well in that conversation. Um, if, if Oregon lands him, that's another really talented player that they'll land in the transfer portal, uh, potentially just an immediate starter for Oregon, a right tackle or a left tackle. Um, I think it would it would just, you know, Oregon, one of the best strengths last year was their offensive line, and they still have a lot of talent there. But to replenish with the Texas lineman and then a Johnny Cornelius and then put in between Marcus Harper, Jackson Powers Johnson, maybe Dave Iuli takes a step up in his development. Um, I think the fact that there are no real high-profile offensive linemen in this in this class, at least you know so far, that with coupled with a Johnny Cornelius coming in, is is fine because you you give those time you give those guys time to develop time to come into their own. The the nice thing about 
the offensive linemen that Oregon has in this class is that they're all projectable body types. They're all big kids. They're all 6'5", 6'6", near 6'7", guys who can move around and, and have the body type to maybe play tackle, but most likely interior offensive line. Um, and it's kind of like a blast in the past of what Mario did where he just said, give me all the biggest kids in the country and then I'll teach them how to play offensive line. So I like that idea. Hey, hey, hey Matt, did we address this one yet? No, we've not. Uh, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Kind of. Like I mentioned that there was rumors that he was considering not signing, um, but Oregon felt like he would get it in today. And look, maybe it's a lunchtime ceremony and you know it's almost over with at his school. Or maybe it's a post-school ceremony. We don't know. Um, some of these do trickle in into the afternoon. We do know out west, especially in California. Now, Dickey is a Bay Area located player, not a SoCal area located player. But we do know SoCal quite often there's like big signing day events in the evening. They do it like at a big news station or um, some kind of broadcast in that manner. So things right now, Oregon expects them to sign today. Um, we, we don't know when, but Oregon is anticipating it gets in. It probably would not be the best news in the world if Dorian Dickey does not sign. Uh, with Oregon, and that's kind of an understatement. Another pressing question for a lot of people is: is this one? How does Mateo's commitment affect LeBron's legacy? Uh, a lot of people. This is, this is what I wondered as well. I and mean, we could do an hour on that, but I don't know if we. Mm -hmm. if we have the, I don't know if we should. Uh, there's more to get to. Uh, there's uh, there's also this one. Um, good. From from Trevin, that this is where I was going to go. Trevin Daniels, um, Jaden Lamar is who he's referencing, and that happens at 1:30. This is. Another one of the verbal commitments or the flips of a verbal commitment that we are anticipating happening. Um, Lake Stevens, four-star out of Seattle area, um, four-star guy. It's been committed to Notre Dame for a while, but the flirtation with Oregon has been there also for a while. He's been on campus a couple times during the football season. He was on campus for an official visit this past weekend. Notre Dame didn't even send their coaches for an in-home visit the last week leading up to signing day. I think that tells you um, kind of where the Irish's perspective was with his commitment to them and the likelihood it lands at Oregon. And this would just be another addition to what's turning into a really good running back room. Um, obviously, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington are the stars. Um, Jordan James, as a freshman, led the running back room in touchdowns. But then – Look at Dante Dowdell's development, and you add maybe the lightning to the thunder that Dowdell has. I think Lamar would be the lightning there. Different back, more versatile. Um, Oregon could have a really special group at, at that position if, if Lamar flips, as we would expect him to. And uh, seen him play at a camp, saw his younger brother up this 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 summer he's a 2025 kid already has offers from all the big schools i think that's certainly uh, it's jay sean lamar i think that's certainly a name to keep an eye on again it's 2025 so you're looking down the line a couple cycles but uh probably a pretty good likelihood that both those kids end up at the same spot at least that's sort of the early feeling and jay sean is is a really talented prospect in his own right would be a nice package deal and we've got something go ahead jared i think you have it you we have the same thing i if, if two things came out instantly at the same time, <laughs> we both had the crazy uh, little jury on Dickey update. Um, yeah. He 
posted, a, he, he tweeted, excuse me, that he's got an announcement on Instagram coming at 3 p.m. And I assume he means Pacific Standard. So, hey, I, I uh, hope he does not get banned because he's promoting a different social media platform on Twitter. Yeah, oh. that's a good point. Elon may not like that. Um, but <laughs> it, what, dangerous. what that announcement is, we'll find out. Um, from what we've heard, I, I would assume it would be a signing. Um, yeah. But that would be, you know, kind of kind of devastating if it were something else. Just an announcement at three PM. Yeah, maybe he has more trading cards. Uh, somebody, <laughs> so, somebody missed my opener here from, from Flush. Uh, I, I've already Flush. addressed it. I'm, I'm no longer a wet blanket. The blanket's been in the wash. It's been dried. It's all clean. My blankets. I'm a dry blanket now. Things are better. The you can listen to the beginning of the podcast to hear the whole spiel. But just to address it for because we, we've by the way a huge credit to those listening. About over 430 people on this live stream right now. Very few of you were with us at the beginning of this about close to an hour ago when I addressed this. Uh, things change, and uh, Oregon's class just 24 hours ago had me uh, a little disappointed, a little bit concerned. And uh, the last, well, in the last 12 hours, things have changed an awful lot. And uh, I feel quite a bit differently. So uh, the wet blanket, no longer here. I'm a dry blanket. I'm a happy camper. Mm. Things are good. Uh, I don't have, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think Andrew asks a good question here. Is any other whispers on if the Ducks add any more transfer quarterbacks? Bo, Ty, and new guy is a solid three, but I don't know if I trust the depth past Bo. Um, my first response to that would be I don't think I trust the depth beyond Bo this season. And Same, same situation. Bo, yeah, it's the same situation. Um, but that's the day and age that you live in college football. Um, I was today, I was thinking back like, couple days ago when Bo announced and I was running through all the guys that that were starters that came back to school and one of the things that kind of popped into my head was like each year how clear-cut the replacement was the following season I mean you could go back even to 1994 when Danny O'Neill was the starting quarterback and yet everyone knew in 1995 it'd be Tony Graziani yep and then Achilles Smith when when he moved on, um, everyone assumed it was going to be A.J. Feely. That's who it was um, for a season or half a season, and then Joey beat him out in the middle of the year. When Joey graduated, it was supposed to be Jason Fife, and then same kind of thing happened there. Kellen Clemens beat him out mid-year, had the job. Dennis Dixon served into that role after, after Clemens. Um, Darren Thomas assumed the role after Mazzoli. Um and it really wasn't until the Mariota year. After that period, it wasn't clear cut for who would be the starter. And that's just kind of how college football is now. Like it used to be a case where you'd have four scholarship quarterbacks. One would always be redshirting. One would be your starter. And then you'd have one guy that was definitively the backup. And that's just not the case anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to – Three is probably the right number, by the way, in terms of if you've got your starter, you've got who your backup is, and you have a developmental player. The hard thing for Oregon fans is the lack of confidence in Ty, and, I, and I'm totally understanding that. I, I've kind of said several times in the pod, haven't totally written him off yet, but I understand concerns because hasn't been good when he's been in. At the same time, it's almost kind of a luxury, like Oregon, to have Ty Thompson on your roster, which is a weird thing to say because you can – but just to have a guy who will be, assuming he sticks around, who would be in his third year, a former top 50 recruit who, who will have stuck around that long, 
probably not going to be too many other teams in the country with that kind of a setup. And I'm not saying it's a great situation because, again, it's recruiting rankings, and maybe this is a good point to make on this podcast. We're really hyping up guys. Some of these guys, about half these guys, are probably aren't going to be much of anything, and, and some of the guys that we aren't talking about as headliners are probably going to be some of the better players. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter you saved yourself there. I was going to say you threw away the wet blanket. Now you just brought it back out again. I know. I just pulled it back out. The wet blanket. The blanket never never goes away entirely. Always have it just a, a little bit. Um, usually that's my job. Yeah, I know. Come usually it has been your job. Well, I was trying to I was trying to save you from the ridicule. Basically, I've jumped jumped in oh, front of the jump in I'm front good of the with train. that. I'll 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 take the ridicule all day. All right, you'll jump. I'll ju- I try to jump in front of the ridicule ridicule train for you. But no, uh, back to the point of like Ty being here actually is kind of probably a better situation than most backup situations, even though I think we all acknowledge like what he's done on the field hasn't been great, but just to have a guy who's mm-hmm. been in a program for an extended period of time, that's kind of a rarity for a non-starter. Um, like if it hypothetically, if, if Ty sticks around through the 2024 season and has a chance to start the fact that he'll have been a backup for three years at a school before assuming the starting job, I bet you there are very few players across the country in the 2024 that would have the same situation. Assuming that's what happened, I have not, we have no idea how it would play out. But yeah, I don't. I don't expect any more additions. A transfer quarterback is hard to add unless he's also of the similar caliber. You're just not bringing in DJU. Like DJU would rather go to it. Sounds like Hawaii no, to be. He wants to go to no Hawaii way. to be there's a starter. No why, why would he go to Oregon yeah. to be a backup? You're just not going to get upgrades. So I know. I know people don't like Ty, but I. I think this is where it's at. I don't expect. More additions, and if it is another addition, it's honestly probably in response to the fact that Ty has decided to leave, and it's yeah, a, if, a similar caliber guy. Right, yeah. If, if Ty decides to leave after the bowl game, um, then Oregon would go out and get another quarterback because three scholarship quarterbacks is the way to do it. And there's there's no way DJU even contemplates the idea of coming to Oregon to be a backup to Bo Nix just on the off chance that Nix is injured or – um, I don't know, throws up and has you know bad Thai food and can't play on a Saturday night game. There's no way this is this is happening. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of a lot of comments and a lot of a lot of posts about the DJU thing. It's just it's just not a real real idea. Um, but to answer the, the, the original question of of um, you know, there's not much faith in, in the backups there. Where, where do you go in the country to have faith in your backup quarterback? You're a backup quarterback for a reason. If you don't have faith in your starting quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. And if if, if players get injured, um, you know, like, like if USC, if, if Caleb Williams were injured, I don't know if there'd be a lot of faith in your backup quarterback. Um, I, it just that's just kind of how college football is. That's how most of most of football is, even professionally as well. Um, there's just not a lot of faith in the backup quarterback because they're the backup quarterback. It's kind of as simple as that. And I still have faith in Ty Thompson that maybe one day that'll put it all together because his physical attributes just still just ooze off the page. They're tremendous. They're, he's probably the most physically gifted quarterback in the room, but it doesn't matter. Again, physical and intangibles are great. You know, you, like you can't teach height. You can't teach some of these things, but when it comes to playing in the actual game, it's a big difference. And that's why you see the high five-star guys, which are all potential, um, more or less all potential with, with these great physical attributes who just don't understand the game or don't, it doesn't come to them as easy as it does for a three or a four star. So anyways, that's why the, the Ty Thompson backup quarterback ran. That's and the DJU thing enough. No more questions about it. I got a question. Oh, Oh, 
Is that the one you wanted, Matt? Too? Or did you, I, sorry, I couldn't tell if you had one on the on the cusp as well. I think you're muted, Matt. Oh, you're Matt, muted. Matt, you are. Yeah, we can't hear you. Sorry, sorry. That's the one I was gonna click. So okay. we were probably on the same one. We were just both. Well, you clicked it before I did, and I was like, "Wait, my my mouse is over Hold the on. cursor." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What have we heard? What have we heard here, Matt? Because like I think the information on this like is kind of getting overshadowed. But in terms of the short term yeah. for next season, this is like a really big deal with these two guys. These are like two your, probably your two best front seven returning players potentially. What are they going to do? Yeah, we know that both of them are highly considering going pro. Um, I, I think that wouldn't be a surprise to anyone that's covered this team in this market. It's kind of what everyone's expected, but. There's also been that chatter that they could potentially stay um, for another season. I don't think either one of them is a first-round draft pick. And when you get past that first round, the money takes a big jump down from what you're making. Um, and maybe this is where NIL could factor in. And, you know, if they take out those insurance policies on their, you know, prospects of making money and to protect themselves from injury and maybe Oregon's able to spread some NIL money around and, and get these guys to come back next season. Um, but both also feel like players who want to play in a bowl game, even if they're gone. Um, I That's just the makeup that I've gotten from the sense of who they are as people, the families that they're from. Um, I expect them to be gone, but it's kind of giving them talking at both sides of my mouth here, but there is that possibility that they could return and maybe just the excitement that this season has from a recruiting perspective. And maybe because Bo Nix is coming back, there's more of that idea that, Hey, if he's coming back, we could be pretty good. I could be another piece to make, make us even better. So yeah, I'll come back. Cause I'm not a first round draft pick. Maybe that plays into a factor here as well. I think the rumor mill was more positive with both of them considering coming back about two weeks ago, 10 days ago, than it has been seemingly since. Um, nothing definitive, but I'm not anticipating either of them coming back at this point. Um, but who knows? As Matt said, you never know. Things change quickly. Like I mean, like literally, we were tipped off that Peyton Bowen was probably going to Notre Dame, and 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, he's putting an, an Oregon hat on. So... This stuff is all very fluid, but the information we have right now, I think, would indicate it's most likely both those guys end up putting their names in the draft. I think I think Sewell could use another year of development. I think he had some real issues exposed this past season that were uh, I, I don't know how to how to describe it. That were kind of like band aided last year because their secondary was just better and they were able to cover more ground. Um, but pass coverage has always been Sewell's problem. Um, Dan has been a fantastic linebackers coach, and Tosh Lupoy has been a fantastic edge coach. Um, I think he could, he would really benefit from having another year, and he's the better of the two prospects in terms of their NFL landscape. He's not a first round pick, but he's definitely a day two pick. Um, for Brandon Dorless, I don't think I just don't think he has anything else left to prove. He's a very solid player. Um, if he makes it to the NFL, he makes it to the NFL. It's not going to be on day one. It might be on day two, but it's more likely to be day three, um, even though he was one of the better pass rushers from the interior perspective in the Pac-12 the last two years. Um, I, 
what happens, I'm not sure. I'd imagine if I were to make a guess, I'd say that they both go just because why not? I know that NIL plays a factor into these things, but you only get one chance to play at the professional level and in, in, uh, in, in, in the NFL. Um, I will say the only thing I could really think of as like a comparison is Drew Timmy, but that's a little different just because it's one person on like a, you know, a 12 or 13 person team. So they can give him all the money in the world because Drew Timmy knows he's not that good. And he's going to be like a second round pick at best, but for Sewell and Dor- I don't know, it's, it's a different apples, oranges, basketball, football. Um, I, I, I do think at the end of the day, Noah Sewell would benefit from one more year in college. You're welcome for the Gonzaga, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt, how about this is just a deadline for us to jump off? Sure. About 7, 10. It happens eight, eight, at 1.30, apparently. But eight minutes from now, I think that's a good time for us to kind of – we'll probably answer questions for about that much longer, so probably two or three more. I feel like that's a good cutoff time. Yeah, and this is the next segue to that question because yep. um, this was dropped in by Andrew. Um, Deuce Robinson – the number one ranked tight end in the country, five-star player out of Pinnacle High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, this is a guy that's long, long, long flirted about taking an official visit to Oregon. Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't signed yet with anybody. Mm-hmm. He's taken four previous official visits, Georgia, USC, Alabama, Texas. Um, Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports dropped this news today on the 24 seven sports live show that he's considering still taking that official visit to Oregon in January. He does not plan to sign today, tomorrow or on Friday. So he will be a February signee. Um, Jared can speak more on this. He's also an elite baseball prospect apparently. And um, Oregon has a pretty darn good baseball program. So maybe some football momentum, maybe uh, the, return of Bo Nix and some baseball. Jared can tell us more about Oregon's interest here in baseball, but maybe that can be enough to to get this guy to be another five-star verbal commit for Oregon. By the way, 512 people on the live stream right now. Holy crap. Excellent. Yeah, no, uh, Deuce is a good good baseball player. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Um, The last time he was on campus uh, earlier this year, I want to say it was in September – um, not for an official visit, for an unofficial visit. It was with both the baseball and football program. Um, Coach Wojciechowski really likes him. I've talked to a couple of people with inside the program who have sold him on the idea that he would be a, you know, a two-way guy, very similar to what Bryce Betcher is doing um, this year for, for baseball and football. Um, it just depends if, if Deuce would want to do it. Um, I think, obviously, his, his main sport is football. A hundred percent. He's just a, he's an outfielder for baseball. Got a good arm, but he's a much much better football prospect. This is not what Robbie Ashford was, where he was a significantly better baseball prospect than he was a football prospect. And Ashford was still a four star. He was just a top sixty or top seventy player in the country coming out of high school for for baseball. Um, Deuce would would probably go play both sports at whatever school that he commits to. Um, it's just going to be whether and where he wants to go for football first and then baseball second. But make no mistake, Oregon baseball is certainly putting on an effort in, order, in trying to get his services for, for baseball first instead of football. I just, just one thing on the Robinson situation and just the tight end position in general. It's so funny how this works in recruiting. Do you remember kind of the 
it wasn't panic because it's so early on in the cycle, but just the concern about what Oregon was going to do at tight end going into the month of like August, because they had really struck out with most of their targets, right? Like it wasn't going well. Suddenly Kenyon Sadiq pops. That was really unexpected for those who don't recall. Like Oregon wasn't in his top six or whatever it was he'd released earlier in the summer. And then he picks them kind of out of the blue. But now Oregon's in a position where they've got Sadiq signed. Jamari Johnson, who is a, I think an under, well, which, which all, I don't remember which All-American game he's playing. He's, he's in one of the All-American games. I forget which one. Not McDonald's. But not McDonald's. He's, a, he's not, yeah, it's not a basketball prospect. He's not a dual sport like uh, Deuce. But this is a big-time tight end prospect from down in Inglewood, California, who I think would like to go to Oregon. But Oregon's kind of checking the numbers and going like, okay, do we want another tight end this cycle? And then you throw in Deuce Robinson, and part of me wonders is is some of the Jamari, and this is speculation, I'm not reporting this, but could some of Jamari Johnson delaying his decision um, until next month be in part because he want, Oregon is trying to figure out what its situation is at tight end from a scholarship number is with, with, a, with a Deuce Robinson? Because if, if it comes down to, because Oregon, again, there's only so many scholarships. I know someone's asked us for the scholarship math. I don't feel comfortable trying to do that because there's so many moving parts right now. But Oregon will be tight at sco- from a t- scholarship perspective. But if it comes down to Deuce Robinson or Jamari Johnson, I don't think they're taking both. So this might be a situation where they are kind of trying to thread that needle of figuring out what's what 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 actually can we do here? Because if, if if you could choose between Robinson and and Johnson, and again, I'm, I, I think both are really good prospects. I don't think it's a tough decision in terms of the top tight end of the entire country versus a, a lower end four star who, again, I think could be a, a contributor down the line. Let's throw this question into the mix here. This is just my own. Oh, Eric Gilbert of Georgia, former number one tight end just from a couple years ago, has entered the transfer portal. Mm. I, if you're Oregon, you got to go after this guy. I don't care what the roster looks like currently. Dude's an NFL player. He's he's just literally stuck behind an insanely talented tight end room. Um, three NFL players at that position at Georgia. He's kind of the odd man out. Just you, you just you can't play that many guys, you know, at that position. Um, should Oregon go here? Should they? Should they? Should they go after this guy? I, I think they should. Can't hurt. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I I shouldn't say I can't tell you what playing time would look like because he's a really talented player and he can probably find playing time no matter where he goes. Oregon's in a spot though where I, Terrence Ferguson's a really really good tight end. I'm not sure who would win in a competition there. Um, guessing there's going to be a school that could just straight up offer like, hey, you're going to come here and be the guy. And that's probably attractive to a person who was just at Georgia where he very <laughs> much wasn't the guy, despite being an all everything recruit. It's an interesting name though. And, and, and I mean, it's so funny because again, everything turns over so quickly. Like it felt like after Madaval entered the portal, it was like, okay, they absolutely need to go find a guy in the portal. And if they weren't now positioned to possibly get Johnson or, or Robinson, especially Robinson, I think we would have been jump people would be jumping for joy with the prospect of Gilbert just because that fits the immediate need. And maybe maybe and maybe I maybe it's the wrong angle, but like part of me wonders if you think you get Deuce Robinson, do you really do you want to get Eric Gilbert? Yeah. That's a good point. How does that impact anything? I don't know. Like I it's it's a kind of a weird needle to thread because 
clearly he's looking for playing time. Oregon can obviously offer some playing time. I don't know if they're offering as much playing time as like school X, Y, or Z or what those would be. Jared, do you want to do you want to talk tight end or do you want to break the news? Oh, can I do both? Yes, for the possibility. Um, Jaden Lamar, four-star running back out of the state of Washington, former Notre Dame commit, now an Oregon commit. So another flip on signing day, another pancake, another whatever you want to call it on signing day for Dan Lanning and company. I believe that's five today, four, five of people who were committed somewhere and flipped over. That tells you how crazy this day is that we can't even keep track of it. I think yeah, five. It's, uh, I think it's five. I think it's five. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Good job for Oregon. Uh, running back, they definitely needed to add one after Byron Cardwell. And, and, and way, uh, Sean Dollars left the room. Hmm? So, by the way, Byron Cardwell went to Cal. That's a yeah, he did go to Cal. Kind of an interesting landing spot. Very interesting. Um, but they absolutely needed another running back. I do want to touch on Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert, I think it is. I think we've asked this to yeah, the it, Georgia it, writer. I think it's Eric, right? It, it, it ended up being Eric, and I know that because I know all the weird spellings of Eric. Yep. Now you, yeah, now we know another one. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not overly sure if Oregon should go after it. It's a weird spot. I, I mean, I love Eric Gilbert. And I think he would fit perfectly. He's an unbelievable athlete, a true physical specimen, and somebody who was so good at LSU during his freshman season. He, it just seems like there's a bumpy road. And I'm not saying this is anything about his character or anything like that. There is, there is a lot of evidence of what he could be and what he potentially could be. But I think Oregon will have an opportunity to find somebody who uh, is a more proven commodity. Um, I, I definitely think it's worthy of taking a flyer on. I just don't know how much that they would really pursue it, like go all out, like somebody like in a Johnny Cornelius, where you know that's priority number one. Clear, clear need, clear need. Though. Yeah, and, and they 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 need another tight end with Maliki going, and we don't know about Cam. Um, Patrick Herbert had a had a good season last year, but he is limited in what he can do on the offensive end. So I think they need at least one more tight end and maybe that's Gilbert. And if it is fantastic, I just hope he stays on the field. Let's talk real quick. Cause we said we'd end it with this bit of news. Um, Jaden Lamar flipping to Oregon. That's the second verbal commitment that Oregon has taken from Notre Dame today. Um, mm -hmm. This one is expected. The Bowen Peyton Bowen was not, but Yet again, another addition, another four-star verbal commitment to Oregon. Um, the Ducks are top of the conference. They're eighth nationally in the recruiting rankings before um, this one gets factored in. 31 known verbal commitments, which I don't believe includes um, the kicker from down under, the punter from down under, who, by the way, has a banana-style kick. Dude. Yeah, look, Dune. Um, Jaden Lamar, though. It might be done. Jaden Lamar, what, how big of a deal is this? Like, do we expect him to play next season? Um, Jordan James entered a loaded backfield, four scholarship upperclassmen, and he found his way in. Do we, do we think Lamar does as well? I. 
So when I was putting together kind of what my expectations for Lamar, it, it felt like he might be the odd man out. And I don't know if that's a bad thing just in terms of separating classes, because I do think you need one of these two to play, right? Like you expect Irving Whittington to kind of reassume the same roles where you're, they're your primary running backs. It'd be interesting to see if Will Stein continues to, and honestly, probably Carlos Lachlan makes this decision from a personal perspective anyway, of like having an actual goal line back. Is that Jordan James again? Uh, Dante Dowdow will be someone to certainly to contend for goal line snaps or a bigger role. Um, but Lamar, I just think it's hard to feed five players. Like you think about this past season, they did it in early September where they were rotating through five, but, and some of this was due to the Cardwell injury or, or whatever that was. But, but really by the time we got into the kind of the deep part of the season, it was really just three guys. And for most time, yeah. for most of the games, it was kind of just two, like in, in, in reality, Sean dollars had a pass catching role. <clears throat> I would guess Lamar would be the one just based upon what I know right now, but we'll see what happens when he gets on campus. Like who, who knows? He might be a, sometimes guys are impressive right off the bat and are kind of unexpected. He could be somebody that steps on campus and is immediately one of the better two or three guys and you can't not play him. But my expectations with him is, is you've got your two core guys that are back in Bucky and Noah. You've got Jordan James, who's clearly had a role before. And then Dowdell to me is, is the superior player over Lamar. Uh, based upon what I've seen on tape and everything. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I think it's extremely important to have this amount of depth at running back, especially in a position that is often injured. I think that Dell is a significantly better player, and that's no knock at Jaden Lamar because I do believe that he's a good player in his own right. I just think that if you're going to take one of the true freshmen and say which one of these guys makes a higher impact in Will Stein's offense, I'd figure it to be Dowdell. I think he's very similar in body type to Bucky Irving, who is very similar in body type to Jordan James, who is pretty similar in body type to Noah Whittington. Jaden Lamar is is a little different. He's just off the edge. Um, and I think he's a, a, he could be somebody where it's a pass-catching situation, like a, similar to what Ashawn Dollars did last year. Um, but, I, yeah, I was looking up the Roadrunners statistics last season. Um, they had a two-running-back set, basically, where they combined for – 291 attempts and the third running back was 54 attempts and the fourth was 14. So whether or not it's the running back by committee, like it was last year, which was such a new concept, but it's kind of used nowadays. I've picked up on it uh, of how, how many schools that use that running back by committee. I'm not sure if that's what they'll do. doesn't look like it from Will Stein's past, but they're going to have enough talent to where they can do it if they want. And I think all of these players are are capable of filling in and, and needing a role if somebody does get injured. All right. Uh, that's probably going to do it for us unless some breaking, shocking news happens in the next 20 seconds. But thank you for listening to the live stream. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. We got up to like 550 people at one point live stream. We're currently at 535, an hour and 17 minutes into the show. That's absolutely tremendous work. Thank you to the people that are watching. Um, tremendous move there. Um, we will have more coverage throughout today, tomorrow, and to next week on DuckTerritory.com. The podcast will continue to pump out more content as well on National Signing Day and the, and the ramifications that come from it. But it's been a day. Uh, Oregon has the number eight recruiting class in the country as of 
1.38 p.m., number one in the conference. They've got 22 guys signed. We're waiting on Peyton Bowen, Jurion Dickey, Daylon Austin, Javen Lamar, who just committed. Unfair to really kind of wait on him. Um, Blake Purchase and George Silva, plus the four transfers. Um, we'll have some decisions Friday. Sounds like Blake Purchase will be making his decision on Friday uh, with signing with Oregon, or does he maybe sign with hometown Colorado now that Deion Sanders is there? Um, and we'll see if Dickey gets in. We'll see if Daylon Austin decides to sign early or wait until February. Uh, and then we'll see what happens um, with Ashton Porter next cycle, what happens with Jamari Johnson next cycle, two guys who have delayed their signings um, today. Uh, and there'll be a lot more to transpire. Oh, and look, like the five-star David Hicks still hasn't made his decision on what he's doing. Maybe we hop back on. Maybe we hop on tomorrow. Um, to talk David Hicks if the craziness continues and he signs with the Oregon Ducks. But it's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for watching on the live stream. Hit that like and subscribe button. It's free. It helps us. Thank you for listening on the podcast. Like the show. Follow the show. It helps us there as well. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.